we're going to talk a little bit today about what it looks like for you and for me to explore who God is, okay? So this is a really important one. Um, y'all, you, like, this is a really one where you want to kind of lean in a little bit. This is one to pay attention to. And it's not so much that, like, um, it's not so much that I'm mad or anything like that. I just want y'all to be, this is the one to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to know one, this is the one. Cool? So I want you guys to really get with me on this. This is going to be fun. Have you ever played a game of hide and seek? Anybody? Yeah, me too. Like, what's the best part about hide and seek for you? Hiding. Not being found. Like being Grandmaster Champion. Didn't you guys do like a counselor hunt thing? Did you get them all? No. Is somebody still hiding? Like, is there a counselor still missing? Do they know they can come out now? You can come back wherever you are. Uh, I, think, I think that's everybody's favorite thing. I think hiding is one of the most fun. Um, are you a creative hider? Okay, explain. What does yes mean? Yeah. Hiding on top of the roof or in the trees. Okay. Where else? Where else would you hide? Where would you hide? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a little in plain sight kind of thing. Yeah. A little bit spy gamey. Little CIA kind of thing. Okay. You just poked her in the face. That's crazy. All right, so hide-and-seek is a lot of fun. Uh, I love playing hide-and-seek. I think hide-and-seek is a blast. It's more fun with my two-year-old because he doesn't quite understand it yet. So it's really funny. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's hiding, but he's hiding, like, behind that pole. And he's obviously bigger than that pole. And so you see him really fast, and he thinks he's hilarious. And he's, you know. (laughs) You know, he's like that. And it's a ton of fun. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to play hide-and-seek. One time, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about what it like, looks like when you play hide-and-seek. Um, in particular, I want to tell you about finding today, okay? I want to talk to you about finding, though. We've talked about hiding. I want to talk about the seeking part, cool? So this literally just happened on Saturday before we came up here. My wife... Uh, she has a cell phone. You guys are like, yeah, we all got cell phones, Brent. Like, we get that. She had a cell phone, and my mother-in-law came over quick because she had to come by. She's a real estate agent, so she was, like, coming by to use our bathroom because she does that when she's in our area. <laughs> she's like, is your bathroom open? I'm like, yeah, we have, yeah, it's, it's open. Uh, like, you can use it, Mom. And so she comes by. So she stopped by to see our kids, and she went to the bathroom, and then my wife put her phone on top of my, my mother-in-law's car. And we live by the highway. So it's a couple of turns, and you're on the highway. So my wife's phone, my mother-in-law starts driving away, and my wife comes to me about an hour later and says, I can't find my phone. And I think I put it on top of my mom's car. Okay? So I'm like engage-seeking muscles. Uh, I'm about to go find this phone. I'm like, if I find this phone, it is literally trying to find a needle in a haystack. The best part about the phone is that you have the find my phone feature, right? So we know kind of where it is. Otherwise, we would have been in a hot mess. So I step in. I'm on the highway. I'm looking for her phone, and I can't find it. And I'm bummed. I'm like, you know what? Going to go home. We just ordered some food. I'm going to go get some food. We're going to go eat. We're going to regroup, and we're going to come out here. We're going to find this thing. And I found it on the side of the highway, and it wasn't even scrapped. 
the case corners were messed up, you know what I'm saying? But the phone itself wasn't cracked, wasn't broken, wasn't shattered. It was like all in, all intact. Isn't that crazy? When I found the phone, I was so pumped. I was jumping around like a little kid. People driving by was like, that dude's crazy. Stay away from him. This is the highway, 75 mile per hour. And I'm going nuts. I'm like, I'm, I might have almost run into traffic. Like, that was how excited I was when I found my wife's phone. And I'm like, so pumped. Isn't it fun when you seek something and you find it? How many of you ever lost your wallet? You ever, you ever put your hand in your pocket, you found like a dollar or five or 20? Okay. This one time, my sister and I were walking into McDonald's. And she found a $20 bill on the ground. She picked it up. And I go, that's a $20 bill. And I took it. And I walked in, and I paid for our meals with her $20 bill, and I gave her the change because I'm not a mean guy. That's a true story. I was not the best high schooler. And so these things, like you find a $20 bill, you're like, this is awesome. This is amazing. I'm so excited. You know, but isn't it interesting that we all think we like hiding more? But if I were to say I hit a $100 bill on this camp, would you not be looking for it at free time? We do this in our student ministry at retreats. We hide things because we want to get you in the habit of seeking things. We've given away flat screen TVs. And you're like, wow, well, they were on sale and they're not like the best TV, but it's still a free TV. How crazy is that? You know what I'm saying? We've given away gift cards. We've given away crazy things. And we don't give them away like, hey, put your name in the drawing. No, you got to go find it. You see? We want to get you in the act of seeking things. We want to get you in the habit of seeking things. Because as we're going to learn today, if you don't seek, you don't find See what I'm saying? How many of you are basketball players? Throw your hands in the air. Okay, I was actually pretty good at basketball. So as a basketball player, there is this sweet spot for your jump shot, all right? And that sweet spot is all about the slot of your arm, all right? It's not necessarily how strong you are. doesn't matter how old you are. But when you find that sweet spot, it's the perfect spot to be. I mean, there are days where it all comes together, and you make, oh, man, you can't miss. Those are the days, man. Those are the best days. I've actually had a couple of those in my life. Not a lot, but a couple, like 43-point games, which are wild. And people are like, wow, you're really good. I'm like, no, today I was lucky. Like, today I was in the zone. Everything came together. It's probably like, a, I would imagine, like a baseball player, pitcher, throwing a perfect game or something. Like, that to me is like there's this sweet spot. And when you're in the zone, you're just there. You know what I'm saying? But you got to find it. And this is why you go out and this is why you shoot hoops. So I go out in the house, or you go in the park, or you go in the front yard, or whatever you go to shoot hoops. You know, for me, it was my front yard, and, and then it turned into going to the park and playing with a bunch of guys I never knew. You know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to find that sweet spot. I wanted to get that down, and when I got it, I wanted to keep it locked in as long as I possibly could. And the best case scenario for me was that I was in my sweet spot in the midway to the end of the season. I should be ramping up at the end of the season. I should be making more baskets and having a higher percentage, field goal percentage. And some of you who are like, don't play basketball, you're like, why is he talking about this? It matters. Just get, stick with me, okay? And so I would be ramping up. And if I'm ramping up, that means I'm going to go into playoffs at a high percentage. I'm going to go in with a lot of confidence. I'm going to go in being able to get into my slot quicker. You know what I'm saying? And so it's this thing that you're constantly seeking. 
And it's this thing that if you don't go for it and you don't go look for it, your talent alone will never get you to where you want to be. Talent does not, talent gets you in the door. It doesn't keep you in the room. You see what I'm saying? And that's an important piece. You see, you, some of you, maybe all of you, I don't know, made a decision last night where you took that first step. Or maybe you made that decision two days ago. Or maybe you're like still kind of in that spot where I don't know if I'm going to make that decision, Brent. I'm okay with that. But you're making that decision. You're wrestling with it. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to engage with it in your mind. And I want you to take steps. Maybe they're little steps toward God. And even if you don't end up coming out of the week and saying like, yeah, I'm all in on the Jesus thing. Like you're kind of still like, like I've offended you somehow. Like I'm sorry about that. But the reality is like I'm not that offensive. I'm just trying to tell you what's true. And so when we come into things or you've been taking those steps, I want to help you understand where not to take those steps. Because we in America have grown up in a culture that is a consumer-based culture. It's a what's-in-it-for-me culture. And because of that, I want to warn you about some things today, and then I'm going to push you to seek. Today's word, if you have not picked it up, is in, the, in phase two of commit, I want you to learn how to seek. So we had focus yesterday and seek today. Cool? You with me? All right. There are a couple of gods that we have all believed in that are not real gods. Okay? I'm going to explain those to you. Today is the day to take some notes or lock it in your memory. But when we get to one of them that you have said, oh, yeah, like I thought that's what God was like. Why are you telling me that's not real? When you get there, I want you to take a moment and think about that. And you can literally ignore me for a, five minutes there when we get to that one. Okay? That cool? Like, you just, when you get to that one, I want you to think about why did you start believing in that God? Like, who told you? What told you? Kind of things like that. Here's number one. The God that does not exist is the bodyguard God. The bodyguard God is a God that we believe bad things don't happen to good people. Right? How many of you got a friend? That was, I just left it there to see how many people were paying attention. How many of you got a friend that maybe has come to you and been like, I just can't follow the God guy because I don't know how a good God lets bad things happen to good people? Okay, yes. All right, so I'm going to give you a little theology here, okay? If God is good, which we believe he is, if God is good, he's the standard, all right? Put that bar up here. If God is good and good is the bar up here, then everything that isn't God is below him, which means that nothing that isn't God is good. Did I say that right? If God is good, then nothing else is. Okay? So, the next time, you're bad, the next time someone comes out and says bad things happen, why do bad things happen to good people? There are no such thing as good people because you are not God. Bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things just happen to people. C.S. Lewis would say, if God is good, then nothing else is. If you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, he was like one of the greatest minds of our generation, really, of our time. In the last hundred years, C.S. Lewis was just dropping bombs of truth. He was an atheist for a long time, and then he came to know Jesus at an intellectual level, which I think is super fun. And then he started explaining it in ways. And this is the same guy who wrote, like, uh, like Chronicles of Narnia. You know, same guy who's thinking so much deeper about his intellectual faith. It was more than a feeling. More than a feeling. That's for you, Boston. 
All right, so bodyguard God is that bad things happen. Bad things don't happen. Bad things don't happen to good people. Why would a good God allow bad things to happen? Now, the answer to that is sin. We talk about sin a couple of times. We're not going to keep going on the sin train and smacking you in the face with it. Y'all suck. So do I. It's part of the gig. Thank the Lord that he sent Jesus, right? I mean, that's the goal, right? That's the, that's the piece. Like, the prerequisite for a Savior is needing something to be saved from. We all messed up. We all fall short. Nobody's exclusive. It's an inclusive culture. The reality is this, that Jesus saved us from our sin. And the reason that Jesus saved us from our sin is because we have a God that is so just, so holy that he can't stand in your sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it can't even be in his presence. It's not like, it's not like God is being bougie. It's like God is light and sin is dark and the light just overtakes the dark. It doesn't exist in his world. Okay? It's like that. It's not like God's like, oh. <laughs> He's just saying, no, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. There's no darkness in me. And so Jesus comes in. He's the light. That's a whole other thing. It's a whole other sermon. Number two, the on-demand God. Oh, this is probably the one. All right? The on-demand God that God would respond the way that I would respond. Like when something happens to me, God, why don't you dot, dot, dot? God, why did they dot, dot, dot? If I were God, I would have never let my parents get divorced. If I were God, and you don't say that out loud because that would be rude, but you say it, kind of. Like, if, if I were God, I never would have let them break up with me. If I were God, my life circumstances would be different. If I were God, I would have changed this. If I were God, I would have done it this way. If I were God, dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera, moving on, moving on. The point is this, is that the God would respond the way that I would respond. And I'm going to tell you something. Thank God you're not God. Because, frankly, if I were God, y'all would be in trouble. And it's not because I want you to feel pain. It's because I am just so not good at that. Like, telling you what's best for you would be really hard for me. You see what I'm saying? Like, if I were God, this is how I would do it. And that's a, that's a God that doesn't exist. It's not a real God. But this is a God that we've believed in because somebody told you or you picked up along the way that God should see things through your perspective. But the reality is you should try to see things through his. Number three, the boyfriend God. Oh, the boyfriend God. <laughs> or girlfriend God. The boyfriend God is this, is that God's presence is always felt that's the boyfriend god that god i don't feel god anymore so he must not be real or i felt him that one time at camp but i don't feel him anymore so he must not exist or if god were real why wouldn't he like make himself known you know like where would he be why isn't he coming where, where, I don't feel this God that you're talking about, Brent. That God doesn't exist. Now, there are certainly moments where you feel closer. But don't mistake that God is not a feeling to be felt. He is a God to be followed. Okay? The guilt God. This is probably, if you were raised in a Baptist context, 
this is probably the God that you engage with the most. Or if you were raised in the church, maybe. The guilt God says this. This is the God who controls you through guilt and through fear. Like, follow me or else you will die, you know? It's like that. Now, this God is a tricky God. And actually, Pastor Billy talked about him a little bit last night. That's not who God is. God is not this God who's out here trying to make you feel guilty and fearful of him. There is a real thing called the fear of the Lord. And that's more of a reverence and respect for the Lord. Like, hey, God, my very breath I'm breathing right now is actually from you. So I should pay attention to how I use that. Right? But it's not this fear like, hey, I'll smack you in the face kind of fear. It's not like that. All right? So this idea that there's this guilt God out there that controls you through guilt and fear. Like, how many of you have done something wrong and you feel guilty? Yeah, did you know that guilt is not a feeling? It's a state of being. Like, if you, okay, one of my favorite films. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Okay. There's a, <laughs> there, is a, there is a segment in a film where this kid walks up to a tent. I won't tell you the film. And, uh, and he walks up to the tent, and the, this, this guy is putting the tent up, and the kid kicks the tent out and makes it fall. And the dude goes, why did you do that? And this particular kid makes the excuse. Why? Because I'm a kid, you think I did it? He goes, no, because you did it. I think you did it. I watched you do it. And it's this really funny moment where it's like, no, you're guilty because you're, you did it. See what I'm saying? It's not like I think you did it or I feel you did it. You did it. And that's why I, I'm telling you, why did you do that? Okay? It's this idea that we're in this spot where we have this Guilt is like this feeling, but it's not a feeling. It's a state of being. Are you guilty or are you innocent? Did you do it or did you not do it? You know? And you can't be mad at that. Like, you can't get emotional about it. You can't get all frustrated by that. It's like you either did it or you didn't do it. Now, shame is a feeling. Okay? Shame is a feeling. Fear is a feeling. Frustration are feelings. But guilt is a state of being. You did it. Right? So we have this idea that there's this God who controls us through guilt and through fear, but the reality is you're already guilty. You already did it. And that is not a God that exists. Anti-science God, some of you love science. How many of you love science? You into it. Math, science, that's cool. There's this idea out there. I'm going to talk to just a couple of you on this one. The rest of you can check out for a minute. There's this idea out there that, like, God and science don't, can't, like, aren't teammates. Did you know that God is a fully discoverable God? Did you know he created the earth in a way that it could be researched and discovered? He didn't have to do that. So people who think that science and God don't team up, like God created it, okay? Isn't it interesting that all this happened by chance, but for some reason you can record exactly how it's happening? What a coincidence, right? That's me dripping with sarcasm, all right? Like, isn't it interesting that it's, it looks and, and feels and is observed to be designed, but, like, for some reason we give it up to chance? That God is fully discoverable because science does not, f actually, God, like, here's the worst thing, here's the worst case scenario. Could you, let's go down that road, you and my science and someone over there. The worst case scenario with science is that you prove scientifically that God exists. And here's why that's worse than proving he doesn't. This is why. Because if God exists, then that means something. 
As a matter of fact, there are researchers right now, you all don't know this, but I'm a, I'm a geek. So there are researchers right now who are engaged in proving Einstein's theory of relativity. Does anybody know what Einstein's theory of relativity is? Excellent. Okay, so <laughs> Einstein's theory of relativity is about black, wormhole, black holes, okay, so wormholes in space. And his, he postulated, which is actually in a bunch of films, and they're playing with this right now. Um, how many of you watched, like, uh, like uh, Avengers Endgame? Okay, so the multiverse, you know, this idea that time can exist in two places at one time. You get me on this? This is kind of Einstein's theory, is that time is a construct that you can bend. And as you get closer to a black hole, his theory is that time actually goes slower, closer, but faster, further away. You see what I'm saying? So like a thousand years out here could be like a minute here. Hear me when I say this. They're close to proving the theory, which means it moves from theory to law, which would prove, pay attention to this, that a God can exist inside and outside of time at the same time. And that's scientific. So the worst case scenario for the science God is that we figure out some things that really, really warp our brain on who God is and how infinite he is. And then there's the gap God. Gap God's our favorite. We get into spots where we're like, uh, people ask us a question, or maybe it's your friends, and you're, you know, they ask you like, oh, these things, and you're like, no, oh, I guess it's just a mystery. We'll never know. And we fill in the gap with mystery. You know what I'm saying? And again, we're talking about a God who is discoverable, who is knowable, who wants to be known, and wants you to know him and invites you to know him. We're talking about that kind of God. So it's not actually mysterious. You see, I refuse to believe that in a group of students this size, that some of you aren't thinking deeper about who God is. I refuse to believe that. I believe that you guys are thinking deeply, even though you may not get credit for it. I believe that. I believe that's true about you. I believe there's so much going on up in there that you're processing in a real way. And I love that you have questions. I'm for that. I want you to have questions. Let's chat it out. Let's get after it. Because I believe it's discoverable. I believe it's knowable. I believe you can find it. You see, there's this God out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about this God tonight, who does exist. And this God who does exist, we're going to look at a story, one of my favorite stories. It's going to be very good. Uh, at least I think so. <laughs> you don't have to like it. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories that alludes to the kind of God that we serve. But today, we're going to look at Matthew 7, and we're going to talk a little bit about that one word, Seeking. Because the problem isn't that you believe in one of these gods. Like, if you're here and you're like, Brent, honestly, that one got me, and I'm a little nervous about it. Like, what do I do? The problem isn't that you believe in one of these gods. The problem is, is that you stayed there. And I don't want you to stay there because these gods are not the gods that we read about in Bible. There is a God we read about in the Bible, and it's the God of Jesus. And we're going to explore the God of Jesus tonight. But for now, I want to push you to a game of hide and seek. This is what it says in Matthew 7, verse 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. This is what it says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Those are promises. If you ask it, I'm going to give it. If you seek it, you will find it. Now, remember God's timing piece? Remember that conversation about God's timing? Right? 
His timing may be different than your timing. You may go out there and ask once and expect the answer once. But what if you have to ask a thousand times? Some of you out there about to be like asking the same question a thousand times in a row. Some of you might ask the same question a thousand times over your lifetime. Ask, ask, and you, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. If I never go look for my wife's phone, do we find it randomly? Does it show up on my doorstep? No. You got to put some effort in. You got to go. You got to do something. You can't just chill and hope it happens. You know what I'm saying? I don't care where you land. I don't care if you seek and you get after it and you land and you say, Brent, this is too unbelievable for me. I respect that. At least you went for it. What I care about is people who are lackadaisical, people who are lazy, who come up to me and they say, nah, man, this ain't for me. I'm like, you don't, you've never even looked. You've never explored it. How do you know? It's just, it's not, you're not trying, it's look, you're not trying to be this, but it's true. Like, it's arrogant. It's arrogant to think that you, without researching anything, know more than the people who have looked for it their whole lives and found it. It's arrogant. Okay? And you're like, no, nah, man, whatever. You don't know me. It's like, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just telling you what it is. Don't get mad at me for telling you what it's true. Okay? Verse 9. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Now, I feed my kids. It's important. You will too. You're like, nah, Brent, you don't know my family situation. I'm not, asking, I'm not talking about your parents. I'm talking about you. Okay? If your kid asks you for bread, would you give him a rock to chew on? That would be rude. All right? You jerks, okay? Because then you're going to have to pay for the dentist bill. All right? So trust me, it's cheaper just to buy the bread. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. First of all, I don't like snakes. It's biblical. We got a curse against It's a thing. I also get really weirded out that something can move that fast without feet. All right, that just throws me off. I'm, you're, wow, he's just, you know, it's crazy. Snakes and I, dude, throw me off. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. Remember, evil, don't be offended by that. Remember, we're not good. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not, he's not saying, like, you're evil, you suck. He's saying, like, you're just not the definition of good. And if good and evil are the only two, then everything less than good is evil. You see what I'm saying? So if you, who are evil, not the devil, just not good, okay, give good gifts to your children, and you also give good gifts to, like, your friends. And they're not even yours. Like, you don't even have to keep them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't like them, you'd be like, we're not talking this week. Maybe next week after you fill out this application. Okay? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others the golden rule, what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is Jesus speaking. You want a summary? Hey, treat people the way you would treat, you want to be treated. Give them what you want to get. Because that is the definition or the pathway of good. 
And how much more does the God of Jesus give you that you don't deserve? And we're talking about that tonight. But here's the thing. Here's my, here's my thing. The problem we have is not, we are not in an issue where seeking, asking, and observing is a hard thing. Here's the deal. You don't have a problem with seeking. You don't have a problem with asking. You don't have a problem with finding. You just don't do it. It's a game of hide and seek, and you just don't seek. You're like, Brent, I've been, I don't know, I've been going to church my whole life. Well, then you've been letting someone else seek for you. Okay? Brent, I don't even want to be here at this stuff. Like, this, this session for me is nothing. I don't even want to be at that. Could, you just, could I encourage you just to try? Just a little bit. I don't need you. Look, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to do things every service. I'm going to ask you to, like, zone in every service. But on this particular one, could you just hear me when I say, I dare you? I dare you to seek it. I dare you to ask. And I bet you, <laughs> you will find. If there's a $100 bill on this camp, which I'm wild enough, I might hide one. You never know. If there's a $100 bill on this camp and you knew that, would you not go try to find it? And when you found it, this is the next step. When you found it, would you not tell everybody you found it? And you would tell them where you found it and where it was hiding and what it was looked like and what it was behind. And you say, this is the real $100 bill, the one I'm holding in my, this is, I found it over by the pole. Like it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? You would do that. And that's what we're talking about today. The God of Jesus, there is some allergy happening right over here. There's <laughs> like 14 sneezes over here. The God of Jesus says this. When you seek me, you will find me. When you knock, I will open the door. And when you ask, I will give. The problem is we've been trying to seek, ask, and find the wrong God. So tonight we're going to talk about the God of Jesus. If you're like, Brent, whoa. Hold on, this feels really unfinished. You guys get the drill by now. It's because it is. It's a setup for tonight. I am so excited to get after tonight, and I'm so excited for y'all to have today and get some time. But pay attention now. Pay attention. This might be the most important thing I ever teach you. And it's the one thing worth staying in the zone for is that you can find what you seek. But you have to seek it to find it. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the sunshine. We're all about that. God, I thank you that we get to have a beautiful day here at Hiawatha Camp. I pray for, for the squad that... Uh, is in this room, and maybe they don't know this stuff, or maybe they're just like kind of bored with it or whatever. God, I pray that you would help them grow. And really, I pray that you'd help us all grow, because I think we all mess up on this stuff. I know I did for a lot of, a lot of years, and I would really like to save all of these students some time and get them closer to you faster. God, we thank you again that you put air in our lungs, that we have, that we have the opportunity to be in the sun, and have a great day. We pray that you would be with the day, that you would bless it in your name. Amen.